Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right, everybody, welcome back to another CXR podcast. I am Chris Hoyt, president of Career Crossroads and your willing and able host <laughs> for this show today. Uh, and if you haven't listened before, this is just a, a sort of an informal podcast where we invite uh, friends and uh, quote unquote influencers or people that we're just really interested in uh, to talk a little bit about what's going on in the space. Uh, I'm excited about today's guest because uh, Mark has never been on the show. So Mark, as we as we sort of jump right in, hello. Hello, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I appreciate it. I'm doing great. You know, it's good to uh, be able to join you on the podcast. I think we talked about it maybe for the first time six months ago or early in the pandemic. You had mentioned the podcast. Chris and I both live in Austin, Texas. So yep. that's how we are meeting with one another on a somewhat regular basis. And uh, just really excited to be here with you. Why don't you give us the escalator pitch of who you are, for those who don't know, uh, where you work and what you do, and why might we be interested in, in what Mark has to say? Sounds great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so my escalator pitch, not elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mark Labosco, I, uh, my day job is I am um, uh, responsible with some partners in leading LinkedIn's talent solutions business. So all of our hiring, learning, and employee engagement products uh, also responsible for our global sales organization. Been with LinkedIn for 13 years, joined us when we were a little startup with big dreams and have been fortunate to be along and like to thank a small contributor uh, and the impact we've had uh, over the following 13 years. I've had a number of different roles um, and uh, love the current role that I'm in, getting a chance to uh, connect with many of you that are hopefully listening to the podcast today. That's what I do during the day and night. I, uh, you know, father of three amazing children. Uh, most of the time, my wife is out of town right now. And so I've been solo for six days right now. And it's hard. I have an 11 year old daughter and twin seven year old boys. It's a lot going on in those little kids' lives. Uh, I don't uh, understand how you're even at the, in front of the screen right now if you're, if you're running solo today. Barely holding it together. Um, and then, yeah, I, I grew up in New Jersey, I've lived here in Austin after a lot of time in the Bay Area for the past three years. Nice. Yeah, we are sort, we are sort of neighbors uh, down the block because I had just moved out here, I think in June to Austin. And you were you you were Bay Area before you were here? Yeah, I, I moved, uh, grew up in New Jersey, went to school in Colorado, moved to the Bay Area in uh, 1999, actually early 2000. Uh, lived there through 2018, end of 2018, we just, uh, San Francisco and then Marin County. And then we decided to, uh, moved to Austin. We had thought about it for a long time. My wife's a Texan. So if you're like another Californian ruining Texas, yep. uh, I, my wife's got some Texas roots. So that was part of the uh, the draw here at Austin. It is an that is an interesting migration to make because I went from Dallas uh, to the Bay Area for a little while and then to Austin. And I, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to admit, so as a Texan for 24 years prior, when someone asked me, I was looking at homes and whatever, when someone asked me where I was from, I said, well, California. And there was a lady in the back of the home that I was looking at who said, don't bring your crazy California politics here. Yeah, the, the easy answer to that one is Dallas. I'm from Dallas. Yeah, well, I just skip it now. I don't even say, I don't I leave the stint in California out completely. 
Yeah. Don't you be California in my Texas. That was a right. I saw yesterday. It was great. Oh boy. Yes. Well, you beat the you beat the mad rush, apparently, too. There's already a trend of people getting here, but you got in just in time. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So for anybody who um who maybe saw on the banners or, or the announcements where we were going to have the VP of Talent Solutions from LinkedIn, and you might be tuning in and thinking, what's he going to tell us about? Can we hear the next big thing? And this is kind of not that conversation. So Mark, as you know, I just kind of invited you to hear where your head's at with everything that's gone on in the space. So kind of what you're thinking, uh, not necessarily to do any overview pitches, sneak peeks or any of that stuff. So I just want to jump right in because we try to keep these to around 15, 20 minutes, but any big, um, any big learnings or takeaways for you as we start to, I think we start to slowly find our new working normal, right? I don't think we found it yet, but I do think we're a lot closer than we were a year ago. Is there anything for you that sort of stands out, life lessons or just, uh, you know, something you see ahead? The biggest change I see ahead, and I'll try to mix in like my personal experience, LinkedIn is a platform experience and what everyone uh, is probably experiencing in, in one degree or another is that, um, you know, I believe that the pandemic will uh, forever change, at least for the foreseeable future, uh, uh, a lot for how employers uh, think about their employees and the way employees think about their employers. So what do I mean by that? Um, and this is kind of called out uh, quite a bit in our uh, 10th annual Global Talent Trends Report, which if you're listening, like, oh, of course, Mark's on because they just published the report. Chris and I scheduled this months ago. It just so we happens. Truly did. We truly I did. I promise. I promise. Just so happens we, we, we shared it today. Uh, but, you know, lots of good insights in the report. I'm sure uh, Chris and Jerry will share it and Barb in the, in the show notes or, or, or the like. But, you know, one of the major takeaways, and this is, you know, off of a lot of LinkedIn data points, it's us, you know, connecting with a lot of, you know, potentially folks that are listening to the podcast around what are some of the major trends. And, and one of them is around this strategic imperative with urgency to think about and potentially reinvent one's culture. And, and the reason that's the case is that a lot of uh, professionals and non-professionals have come out of the pandemic, even though we're still in it in, in many uh, parts of the world and in, in to a different degree, depending upon where you are in the US as well. well yeah, but yeah. a lot of people and, and uh, professionals and, and non-professionals are thinking about, is the company that I work for have the same values that I have? Does the employer that I work for offer me the same type of flexibility that I have grown to love through the pandemic? Because now I can drop my kid off at school and I can uh, pick my kid up after school. Uh, and so there is this major um, uh, a great reshuffle that is happening right now that I'm sure everyone is feeling that's listening to this call. I know even at LinkedIn, we are even at LinkedIn, we're feeling it as well. Whereas everyone is taking stock of where they are and what they ultimately want to achieve in their career. And they're making decisions. Um, and you have that with a backdrop where uh, many companies are doing quite well and they've got very aggressive growth plans and you've got attrition with a combination of growth plans. Uh, it is creating one of the more challenging recruiting environments I've certainly seen in the 10, 11 years that I've worked you know, in close partnership with uh, many talent acquisition executives. So that, that great reshuffle that is happening right now with uh, employees trying to determine what they ultimately want to do and who they want to work for and what type of flexibility they have and uh, does the company have the same set of values that they have 
I think a lot of employees are thinking about that and what it's now really top of mind for employers, at least this is what kind of popped out within the, uh, the, the report was um, restating kind of your culture, mm-hmm. uh, maybe re-onboarding your employees to who you are and who you aspire to be. Um, I think this idea of workers moving around the country because employers are going to be more flexible with where their employees are, uh, that is certainly something that started with the pandemic. And I think it's going to have a very lasting impact uh, for all of us uh, for years to come. You raise a really good point, but from a cultural uh, fit standpoint, right? People reassessing sort of if if they're at their employer of choice anymore. Mm -hmm. Do you think that a lot of that is really driven by um, being able to sit where they want to sit to do the work. I mean, I, cause I kind of feel like there's two camps, right? You got employers that are sort of in two camps on the extreme sides, right? You got, you, you can work wherever you want. We're going all in that way. Or, you know, you can kind of take the Jamie Dimon approach of like, you know, you, you're coming into work. That's, yeah. that's it. I'm not paying you to sit at home. Sure. And, and I don't, it's funny cause he gets a lot of shade for making the, making a hard line decision that says you're coming into the office, but yeah. A lot of people worry about losing all of that talent, but but I yeah. think arguably it could be it's just a shift of culture. Yeah, right. Because there will be people who want to come into the, the office and will yeah. go work for the organization, and that company is going to be just fine. It's just going to be a shift of culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think it's a, a a very important part of culture you're hitting on, Chris. But it's also maybe a more um, one part of it, which is more like, you know, workplace, like where does the work get done? Do, are we a, you know, remote first company? Are we a remote only company? Are we a in office company? And I think different companies are going to choose different strategies. My guess is, you know, companies that choose to force people to get back to the office are going to likely come up short in the war for talents, given the flexibility that Uh, employees are looking for. Now, that doesn't mean that employees are looking to be fully remote and never go back to an office. You know, in fact, most, uh, you know, our own employees, um, they still want to work in an office if they're close to it. They just don't want to have to go every day. They want to be able to work from home two to three days a week. They want to be able to like, not miss, you know, they want options. Exactly. And so we're just seeing a lot of trends in our data and what preferences employers are putting in their things like company pages that mm-hmm. I think companies that are going to be more flexible, again, doesn't mean everyone has to be remote, but they uh, enable a more hybrid approach to work and they put a little more trust in their teams and where they do their best work are those that are going to have a definitive edge in recruiting talent that is looking for that flexibility. I don't know if it's lazy or just uh, obvious, um, but the two, two big talking points I think that typically come up when people are deciding if they're fit at their company anymore, right? One being the, where can I work from? So that's one we hear about all the time, right? You know, you have to come back to the office. I'm not coming back to the office. I was twice as productive or, you know, et cetera. But the other end of that we've got is the murder of George Floyd yep. and how organizations responded to that. And there were, there were, you know, a number of employees who said, I don't like the way we handled this, or I don't like how we, you know, unfortunately ignored this as an organization. So I think there's, in, in my in my bubble and the folks that I talk to, those ten, I don't think they're the only ones, but those yeah. seem to be the top two cultural fit, you know, arguments as to whether or not they should or should not stay there. Are you seeing kind of the same thing in your space, or do you think there are other elements that are that are kind of get we're missing them, right? They're flying under the radar, but that are just as important. 
I think those are two of the most important ones without a doubt, Chris. I mean, the report outlines a number of others. I think the other ones off the top of my head that were called out was um, a mental well-being. So just given people are tired, like they're tired through the pandemic, like they're tired with the pace of work, they're tired with, you know, homeschooling, with schools being open and being closed. So that's another one that that has been, I think, called out. Um, I think relationships with colleagues as well. Like, do I feel connected to someone that I care about uh, at work is another one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, and then comp and benefits, interestingly, is not like, you know, top of the list, but it's certainly, you know, part of it for sure. Well, quite a few folks are making a killing in their new shifts. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, um, but you hit, on the, a, you hit on the two big ones, I think. Well, we had, it's funny because we had, uh, Mark, we had a, a session the other day and one of the comments that came out was we were talking about this burnout and how, pe- how a lot of people are really struggling. And I think one of the chat comments on the side, one of the leaders said, I no longer work from home. I now live where I work. Yep. Which was a really, it's kind of a gut punch, you know, when you sort of think about that. And I remember back when I very first, because I've been working from home for a long time now. And I remember when I very first started working from home, uh, I, it got to the point where I had to lock my office door on the weekends or I'd walk by and be like, oh, quick email. And I'd sit down and four or five hours would, would go by. Uh, so it's it's kind of been an interesting piece of that. It's have, how have you managed that? Have you um, have the kids sort of kept you? Do they pull you out? I mean, how do you, how do you keep your head straight? It's a good question, and I'm speaking from a place of like being fortunate with some privilege. Where when we moved here, we don't have an office in Austin. So when we first moved here, uh, there was an extra. It was like a mini little office in the house, but it was more of like a closet with a small window. <laughs> so I was like, "There's my office." And so, so needs the broom? Do they knock on your office? Yeah, more or less. It was like I think it was like framed as like a library too, but it was like not very big, sliding door. Uh, but that was before COVID. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be traveling a fair amount. Uh, kids are going to be gone. And then when lockdown first happened, uh, I think I was in the closet uh, broom shelter for about four months when I looked outside and there's this like old storage shed we have in the backyard. And I'm like, oh, no, that's the office. <laughs> so we uh, redid this here former shed into my office so you're at a, you're in a, you're in a kind of an office casita yeah casita, casita. The, some people call it the he shed from the ah, i like my, it my he shed <laughs> um but yeah we did this uh, obviously air conditioner which you need and heater i've learned in january sometimes so i've been able to all kidding aside uh create that kind of uh, space uh which i need so i i go to the office i like drop my kids off at school come in, say goodbye to my wife, walk across the yard, and I come in here. And I um, leave my laptop in here. And so I try to create a little space that way. Uh, But I am by no means perfect in that area, despite trying to deploy the right atomic habits to uh, create that space. But, But I slip up like I'm sure you do too. Well, yeah. I mean, we take the little screen right with us everywhere we go. But I I have found it's awfully helpful to sort of just shut the door in the in the office, you know, when you're you're not supposed to be working, but you're press come in. I know it's calling you. It's calling you. Yeah, it is. It's a it's just a nagging pulling. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to model, you know, obviously I, you know, leading leading a team, you know, I try to model um the behavior that I think is sustainable, like for my team and also the org overall. 
And so I'll go like out of my way to, you know, try to model that. Whereas, you know, the work feels like it's never ending right now. So that's another big part of it as well. Nice. Well, look, Mark, take us out with one tip. If you had it for, you deal with a lot of uh, TA leaders uh, from around the world. Have you heard one tip, one piece of advice for sort of leading people and, and staying sane as we move into whatever our future normal is? Is there anything you would share uh, can be your own or can be you can shamelessly steal it from somebody else, but just something yeah. that sort of resonated with you is powerful that, that you'd want to pass forward. I don't think it has to do with like um, TA in particular. I think it has to do just for any leader who's leading a large org or it doesn't even have to be a large org, which is, you know, we cast long shadows as leaders. And so, you know, my previous comments, I didn't know you were going to ask me this question to end, I think is related to that. And there's no shortage of work. It's probably been one of the hardest times to ever work in recruiting, uh, given coming back from uh, a, 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 a function that was materially impacted when COVID first happened with layoffs across the TA industry. And then all of these like incremental headcount asks being approved and then you throw in attrition. Like our teams are stretched and stressed. And so, you know, the thing I would recommend is it's it's your job to help ensure the team does not burn out and fry. So whether that's creating space and staff meetings to, you know, bring a little levity to things, uh, doing things to just bring recognition or joy to your teams, whether it's you or asking your boss's boss to like reach out to someone on the team who's doing a remarkable job. I think it's just making sure you're creating the space to think about your team and how you ensure you're looking after them. And then your team will do that with their team and vice versa. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think we had another discussion um, earlier this morning and one of the leaders said making sure that they they purposefully carve out time for the interactions that are lost in an office, right? Yeah. That organically occur. So to, to really map those out and make sure that those, you know, make those happen with your team. I love it. Mark, awesome, potentially essentially neighbor to see you <laughs> on to dial into you when you're just, you know, just down the road a ways, but it's fantastic. I'm really glad you gave us the time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chris. Look forward to connecting soon at Mozart's uh, for our quarterly date. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.